Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. We have a very special bi-week show for you. We took your questions, and we're opening up the mailbag this week, so let's get right to it. Let's start with the intros, and let's lead it off with Canada's own Kelly Hinkle. I was piggybacking off of Charlie's hot take, but... Ah, damn it. I'll just say that I'm ready to say bye to this break. How about you guys? Ha ha. Same. I'm, like, (laughs) kind of bored. (laughs) I really so- thought I really thought I was going to enjoy this time off, and I have, but now it's like, all right, I still got two days. Eh, I'm kind of so good I on that. Steph, I saw Steph say earlier this week that she thought that the Penguins game was Tuesday. I thought it was earlier this week, too. And then over the weekend, I looked at the schedule, and I was like, oh, fuck, we have a whole week. Well, it was because the Flyers were, like, the only team that was playing last Tuesday. Everyone else's break yeah. pretty much started like Sunday or Saturday and the Flyers got that extra game on Tuesday that then forced, you know, the, for them to get their full bye week. They had to get a couple extra days into this week. Kelly, my incompetence was supposed to be a secret. Oh, are the Flyers oh. just playing 86 <laughs> games this year? Like, do they have more games than everybody? They're what? playing 81 games in 87 days. That's awesome. That's, <laughs> that's, that's fun. Uh, from the athletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. So, yeah, I think Kelly was going to piggyback off this. But, Kelly, you can still piggyback it after I get done with this hot take. So I watched maybe like 20 total minutes of the skills competition and the All-Star game this weekend. It just it's it's not my thing. I don't particularly love it anymore. I did when I was a kid. I'm not super into it anymore. However, just because it doesn't interest me, just because it's not my thing, that doesn't mean it's worthless and bad and a waste of time and should be rocketed into the sun. Like some people do like it. A, a, a vocal contingent of people enjoy the all-star game and the skills competition, and that's cool. Just because you personally don't enjoy something that isn't hurting anyone else doesn't mean it's inherently bad and should be ended. Just saying. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Everything that you personally don't like has to be destroyed. That's just the way of it now. Yeah, that's how I feel. About oh, I was going to say you've met Bill Matz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am more about letting people live live their lives. As long as I'm allowed to be into whatever I'm into, I am more into letting people live their lives than anybody. I have, I done have strong opinions. Years of yelling about sports with you, and that is not how you actually feel. I have strong opinions, but as long as you're not bothering me, mm. I, uh, I I don't care. That's like lies. people. People are like, why don't they just end All Star games? Like, listen, I think the whole idea of the all-star game is kind of obsolete now because like Reggie Jackson out with the Oakland A's is not a myth like you get to see Mike Trout you can see him whenever you want it's on Sports Center. it's on gifts it's on every baseball package if you're into it you can always find these guys you don't have to stay up to watch Wayne Gretzky I can see McDavid tonight um it's just different now but they sell out everywhere it's like a celebration of the yeah. city the city, the, like, the city loves it. St. Louis uh, just set the attendance record for like the pre-party, like yeah. whatever that thing was, the fan fest experience. I don't know. I know they had Green Day playing outside for a minute, and that was weird. Uh, less than no one threw mud at them. That's good. Well, that before or after they just started cursing every two seconds. Before. That was my favorite. That's the only <laughs> thing. I saw the long shot, con- the thing they did up on the stage. I yeah, watched yeah, yeah. that. That was fine. I don't know why they made like, oh, yeah, you got it in the arch, but not really. Yeah. Uh, they made that more complicated than it need to be. But uh, it's for kids and it's for the live event. If you don't want to watch it on TV, yeah. don't watch. There's so many things on TV. I know you got Netflix. You don't have to complain about the quality of this. You can just put on the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Listen, Green <laughs> Day signed a two-year contract with the NHL. <laughs> a two-year contract. Mm-hmm. And in their first live event just came out here and cursed up a storm. Still punk as fuck. I don't care how old they are. Goddamn near 50 years old. 
and astounding. Hey, I love Green Day. I'm, I'm still a Green Day fan. That's, I love. I've always loved Green Day. This is one of the few things Steph and I agree on. Like yeah. Green Day is one of my probably two or three favorite bands ever. Same. And that just really it thrilled me. Oh God. That was easily my favorite part. My other favorite part is pretending the gun wasn't juiced to all hell to give Al McInnes a hundred mile oh, yeah. an hour slap. Yeah, he's like fifty, right? A fifty-six year old man yeah. with a wooden stick. If he's able to do that. And it's real. Shea Weber and Zdeno Chara should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> if that's real, it's an indictment. Like, imagine if Michael Jordan could take LeBron one-on-one now. Like, that would be a real indictment of the superstars of today. If he's up here hitting 100 with a wood stick and damn near needs a wall. He didn't really look that old, but like, I mean, come on. I uh, thought the wood sticks had more flex to them before they broke. No? They're, ju- they're just so light. Like, you can just get so much power mm. with them. It's they're impossible to control. I don't know how anyone aims, but uh, I just it's crazy to me that that's even a real thing. But good for them. It's for the live crowd. And again, I'm fine with things being fake. I like pro wrestling. All right, guys, <laughs> you do. So we, we just talked about my you... name is Steph Alicia's D Steph Driver. Have, and have Bill doesn't Steph. feel like oh, shit talking not, to me. I, tonight. Thought, I thought your thing was Green Day, but that was just a continuation it was just a, I, Steph, I mean, it can Steph be. driver um i just wanted to give a quick update on what the flyers are doing during the break during the all-star break so many of them have gone away uh nolan patrick went back home to winnipeg scott lawton went back home to wherever scott lawton is from a suburb of toronto a suburb of toronto oh, man. Um, so he's gonna leave us for the maple leafs one day <laughs> probably not probably not i don't think that he slept in maple leafs pajamas it doesn't feel like very it doesn't feel serial killery he slept naked his whole life absolutely uh kevin hayes but with socks on is with his family in miami I believe was the last update I saw. He spent some time in New York. He's been all over the place. Um, And there's a large contingent of flyers and their families in Turks and Caicos. So uh, I'm going to name them as if they're married, but most of them are not. So the Jerus, the Gossip Bears, the Hagues, the Voracek's, the Provorovs. Um, I think that I'm missing one. Uh, but they're all together in Turks and Caicos. What are these young bucks doing hanging out with the 30-year-olds? They should be out partying. They're all own. playing video games, as yeah, Charlie's the, article yeah, they're pointed all doing, out. They're all doing Fortnite. What exactly. that they're, all, they're all doing Fortnite. Well, they're probably, most likely, everybody's probably back now. Yeah, they came back, but that's yeah. what they were because doing. Because they practice tomorrow at 2 p.m. That's the official end of the bye week. Cause they have to, they reason why they practice later than usual is because like it's actually by the hour like yeah. in the CBA, there's a certain amount of hours they get for this bye week. And the earliest they can go on the ice, I guess, is like the afternoon tomorrow. But I presume they're all back at this point. Oh, and Travis Konechny and his girlfriend adopted a new puppy whose name that. is Ruby. It looks like it's a Great Dane puppy. They named it after Ruby. <laughs> Ruben Garbstaff. That's great. Yeah. I just. I just R- Ruben Garbstaff. Ruben Garbstaff. Holy shit. I was like, that, that that's is incredible. I was like, there's no way that. That's right, but no one said anything, so I'm going to keep going. I was like, no, that's completely backwards. It took, yeah. me, a, it took yeah. me like a couple seconds to register just how awful it was. Ruben, it was really bad. Ruben Gerstow is like, he he makes sandwiches in South Philly. That's awesome. All right, yeah, so I we, bet you it's a damn good sandwich, though. Oh, I guarantee it is. Uh, yeah, German Rubsov. All right, so we were just talking right before we went on about the uh, about the Battle of Alberta tonight and that whole that whole mess with Makachuk and uh, Zach Cassian. And uh, there's going to be a brawl, maybe, but probably not because the NHL is saying we're going to legislate this. We're going to make sure that no funny business happens. This is the first time anyone's been interested in an indoor regular season game in 20 years. <laughs> like, like, what the fuck? You're going to get serious about supplemental discipline now when people are looking? I, I, Charlie, you... Uh, if they're going to keep the violence in the game, let's let an actual rivalry be a rivalry. I don't want anyone to get two-handed. Yeah. You, you said, yeah. like, obviously I don't want a Bertuzzi situation or anything. Sorry. <laughs> Bill spit in Charlie's face. Spit on my cheek. Bill, you guys having, are sitting like six feet apart. I'm fired up. I don't, I don't this, know. This is a show for you, I got, Bill. I got a the show. bye week is just killing you, man. I, I need to know. <laughs> but if you're going to keep the game violent, if you're going to pretend there is still some of this in the game, 
Let it be in the game. This happened naturally. This isn't like, it's an organic thing. They didn't just make this up for the fun of it. I don't know. Imagine if like after the uh, the shouting match between Laviolette and Bilesma, imagine if Batman would have been like, if you do any more of this, I'm suspending you both. Exactly. Like, just let the shit happen. Exactly. It's funny. It makes the game better. People are into this stuff. I like. Uh, do is it better for the game if people were just into? Hey, this is a Gaudreau McDavid tonight. You know? Yeah, probably. But they're not. So let this be what it is. Is it Gaudreau just not having a great season? He's not having a great. Season. I heard he has turned it on. Since since really? the coaching change. And okay. now now his buddy's up with the team. Uh, buddy, Ro- Which one is there? Buddy oh, I, Robinson. Oh, I saw that article. Yeah, yeah, Eric Robinson got the contract extension from the... Uh, these are all guys who played at Hollydale, so I'm very proud of all of them. But uh, Eric Robinson got the contract extension with uh, Columbus, and now Buddy is up with the Flames. They all played with, uh, with Johnny when they were younger, so I heard he's turned it on since then. All right, guys, we are going to open up the mailbag, and we're just going to see how this goes. I... I solicited questions, and you, our wonderful listeners and followers, came up with them. So let's start with Jennifer with one N. What would be the individual goal songs for each player if they had to choose? Would TKs be whoop, there it is? The whole teams should be whoop, there it is. That would be mm-hmm. something. That would. Are we just old? Like, are we just never going to like the goal song? Because that's no, where. No, it, no. See, that's not the answer because the goal song is. is the goal yeah. song is from the 80s. Okay. And it's bad. I like it. You know, like, it's. Okay. It's objectively bad. It has yeah. grown on me because, like, it's kind of like Pavlov's dogs. Like, you just, after hearing it associated with something good for long enough you're like ah you know it's not that bad but objectively it is bad and they could do significantly better i I think kurt is the one kurt is like it either should be whoop there it is which would be hilarious or and this was i think it was uh, the guy dr pete's on twitter came up with this originally the action news theme song (laughs) that's a good one the best that is a good one i always say years ago and it's still like holy shit that would be incredible that is awesome i always say the best goal song is one that plays a lot the flyers win a lot at home so i have no problem with the current goal song but there Uh, is a team is it i can't remember who it is who's doing individual songs for each player yeah the sharks Uh, is is, is the sharks the sharks started i mean they needed something to take their their fans minds off this disaster of a season they're having um it's interesting the whole individual goal song thing um it's so unhockey well like i just would love it if the players picked the most like awkward ones like i I did that that player poll last week travis connect and travis sanheimer into country music so pick some like very slow country song like, like an, uh, an obvious classic country song that would be hilarious for check super into like old school rock so like i i don't i need to ask him like what that means but everyone was like yeah the old school stuff is all jake and then one of one of the people in my comment section said that apparently like in the czech republic music just stopped at, in like the mid 90s yeah and like all the radio stations Glorious. in czech republic like only play rock up until like, well, he's, like he's like a hardcore springsteen <laughs> fan yeah, isn't he yeah. So like it's all from like okay seven, this, like the early seventies to like the early nineties and then that just is when music ended. That's I wanted to like <laughs> old, Give, does does old school rock mean like Zeppelin in that era or does it mean eighties hair metal? Because well, I, I could see either I being think it's like everything. Yeah, but okay. I, I do think Steph is right. I think he is a Springsteen guy. Okay. Give me Claude Giroux, Britney Spears. Oops, I did it again. That's like fucking. <laughs> I would always. I'll I'll, t- I'll change this one for us because I think if you could have an individual goal song, what would you want it to be, Kelly? Oh man! If every time you made a good point on the show, we just hit it. Um, you put me on the spot. Can some, I, some, oops, I did it again. You, will be mine. <laughs> there you go, Charlie. What would be yours? See, that's like I really haven't thought about a goal song. I used to always say that my my intro music, if I was a closer, would be Arc Arsenal by At the Drive-In and play the whole intro. Um, I don't know. I mean, if it would be if a goal song, man, I don't know. I guess sticking, hard, with, right? sticking with the same band, One Arm Scissor, would be pretty cool because the intro riff to the, the chorus is pretty badass. I don't know, though. I'd have to do some serious thinking. Everyone yeah, knows. To, I mean, Mike could also be, be Basket Case. I would like that a lot. That would actually okay. be a decent one, That too. would be a pretty cool goal song. Yeah. Everyone knows what mine would be. Oh, and it's all oh, right, no. and it's oh, coming my God, this on. We gotta get right back to where oh, we mean, started that from. Works. Yeah, it, there's, oh, there's the, hockey, the hockey classic. flavor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's from Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> Bill has been my nickname in high school was Ogre. So 
Bill has been so obsessed with this song since I would not let him make it the intro song for, oh my God, was Yelling? it the Orange Update? Orange, no, it was like, oh yeah, like way, way back. back yeah. Way back. I wouldn't let him make it the intro song and it's been haunting me ever since. All right, let's move it along then. Uh, let's go to at Z-Bikes. Uh, he's got a couple of questions. The first one, can Hart fix his road woes? Of yeah. he can. I mean, he has to, right? There can't be anything oh, okay. to this. Yeah, no, he'll be fine. He was fine on the road last year. Yeah, he'll be fine. Like, this that's, is just weird. Presu- yeah, I, think, I think it's just a, a weird stretch. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's it. And, like, we've tried to explain away all the road stuff. Clearly, there's something up, but... It's maybe not as bad as it looks, and I, I expect him to be good on the road in the second half of the season. I just feel like if there was something inherently, if there was an inherent issue with him on the road, wouldn't it have manifested itself in his rookie season when he was presumably less comfortable than he is now? Yeah. 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 I think he'll be fine. Like, good players are good players. One there, There's think. no reason for someone to be good at home and bad on the road. <laughs> <He'll figure laughs> this team out. defies that, as do the Sixers. <laughs> Same home building. I don't know. Maybe there's something in the water. I don't know. But uh, the second part of Z-Bike's question is for Steph. What's Bear been up to lately? Oh, so my little baby Bear, he is, as of today, 14 weeks old. So he's been with me for six whole weeks. Uh, he is 26 pounds, so he's doubled in size in these six weeks. Um, and he's going to doggy daycare for the first time tomorrow to go play with some puppies. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it'll be really, it'll be really good for him. And he's going to come back really tired. And a tired puppy is a good puppy. It's awesome. His housebreaking is going really well. He's not pooping in the house at all. Peeing is still everywhere. He's peeing everywhere, but... Has he punched any little kids in the back yet? Not yet. All right, so he's still a good mascot. Yes. All right, Bear is not yet canceled. Not canceled (laughs) yet. He still has the taste for human flesh, but we're working working on it. He doesn't. We're working on it. All right. Let's go to Katie with a purple heart. Uh, she doesn't actually have like a purple heart, like the military award for getting wounded in, Do you know in that service. For it's sure. It's just a purple heart next to her name. But what if she actually does have a purple oh, heart? Maybe she does. Stuff. You're right. I shouldn't say that maybe as a fact. Um, I, these are the types of questions I get on post game, and my answer is consistently live in the now. Don't worry about next year. We're finally in a season that matters. But since I opened it up to the questions, I will let you guys answer. Uh, yeah, so Katie asks, who on the roster do you think will not be on the team next year? Well, Justin Braun, probably. Yeah, I don't yeah think Braun's Braun my number be. one answer, I guess. Eh, if, he might be. I mean, I could see them bringing him back. He I could see it. He hasn't Robert been Hague bad. Lucky? No, I mean, I everybody at the bottom of the lineup could plausibly leave, even if they're under contract, because that's the life of a bottom six or third pair defenseman is that, hey, you could get traded. It happens. But I'm not like they could they could resign Braun. It's possible. He's not having a bad year. He's got to fit on this, you know, on this line in this roster, unless they think Phil Myers is ready to be a second pair defenseman as soon as next year. And I don't know if they've seen enough to believe that he yet. hasn't shown that he is. Yeah. So, so. it's one of those situations, like. Going in blind, I would go, yeah, absolutely, Phil Meyer, second pair next year. Having seen him for 50 games now, or however many he's played, eh, I'm not ready to make that commitment. It's just a risk, and I'm not yeah. saying he couldn't do it. It's just it's a risk. Is it a risk they're willing to take? I'm not sure. Tyler Pitlick's a UFA. They have a lot of bottom sixers that are prospects that are getting shots this year. I think they're happy with him. Do they maybe say... Well, we don't really need you. Ruben Gerbstev could. <laughs> oh, my go. God. <laughs> never do that, yeah. that role. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, those are the two, I guess, the two big UFAs. Um, I mean, I, I think I don't think Brian Elliott's back next year. Not Elliott. Yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe like I, that. that's the thing. There's no one that I, I stare out on this roster and I say to myself, they are definitely gone. That's because a guy like Elliott, you just circumstantially go. Yeah, he's probably not back. But then who takes that's the, there's yeah. not an obvious replacement. Yeah. You like, got to go hit free agency yeah. or trade. And as there we are saw, a lot of great players of free agency. Or, as we or saw you this decide that one of these young guys and Carter Hart are going to run away with it. And that's yeah, I just scary. don't I just don't see that. I, I don't think they're I don't think they look at Alex Lyon as a guy who could slide right in and. Felix Sandstrom and Kirillus Demenko are still in the ECHL yeah. primarily. So they, I think unless one of them had really blown the doors off this year, I don't think there was much of a chance they were going to jump them to the NHL in this upcoming season. 
the way it's setting up is that next year they're probably going to be in the AHL and then we'll go from there. So that, yeah, there aren't a ton of big UFAs. Then you're looking at like trades. And I mean, we've, you know, we've, How do you we've, predict a trade? Yeah, we've talked about the possibility that maybe Ghost goes, but I don't think that's a foregone conclusion. I just don't think they're like, they're wedded to him in the way they're wedded to an Ivan Provorov. Sure. And so, yeah, I, I, it's, I, I hate to say it's too early, but I just think it's too early. It is. I think, yeah, it's Bil- a little too early. Yeah, building off of this question is really what I wanted to ask. Guys like Tanner Lazinski who uh, need to be signed. What What's going to happen with that? Like the college players. Well, the Flyers seem confident they're going to get him signed. Okay. Now, like, uh, there's a group of guys. I wish I had it in front of me. I meant to put yeah, it. Yeah, well, Wade, Wade Allison. Allison. Wade Tanner Allison. Tanner Lazinski and, and Linus Hoberg are the three prospects who, if they are not signed this summer, the Flyers lose their rights. Um, I am fairly confident they're going to sign Allison because I just, I in talking to, to Wade Allison over the summer, last summer at development camp, it seems like he wants to be a flyer. He just didn't want to get buried on the organizational depth chart when he wasn't close to 100%. Um, I don't get the impression the Flyers have many concerns he's not going to sign. Lazinski was always the one I was in the air, up, up in the air about because you just didn't hear that much going on. You know, he was he, he hasn't played. He hasn't he hasn't participated in a development in all nice development camp in two years. Two years ago, he was hurt. Last year, he had to take classes. Not saying that meant one thing or the other, but it just meant that we didn't really have the opportunity to talk to him. So you just didn't have that in that you had with a guy like Wade Allison, able to chat with him, able to get a read on what he was thinking. That said, the Flyers seem confident that they're that they're going to sign him. Now, you never really know. But I've said this to a couple of people on Twitter. The big thing that you kept hearing from fans over the last couple of years with regards to those two guys, Lazinski in particular, was, well, they're going to look at the Flyers' pipeline. They're going to say, where do I fit? I fit better with another organization. Well, you know what this season has shown? Maybe you're that's gonna, not true. You're going to get your shot. Yeah. Because everybody's been getting their shot yeah. this year. And a guy like Lazinski is going to look at that, I would think, and say, you know what? They gave like seven guys a legitimate chance at the NHL this year to play in the bottom six. And as a proud player who just was very good for his team for four years of college, I'm going to think to myself, I can beat those guys. Yeah. And if you're good enough, you'll stick. Like, yeah. We've definitely seen that happen. Um, so I, I'm really hopeful to see some of those dudes next year. I just want to see them get a shot. Uh, we know Allison has had the injury issues. It looks like he's really starting to come on uh, yeah. lately. Yeah, it's um, finally clicking for him yeah. again, which is nice. So uh, it would be it would be nice to see any of these guys really stick or at least get a shot because we've been hearing about them for a little while now. All right, uh, the reason I'm saying Braun isn't back is because of my answer to this next question, but I want to get your guys' answers first. It's uh, from at Philly Sports Joe. With Niskanen and Braun on short on short term contracts, the veteran leadership on defense could be lacking soon. Would it make sense for the Flyers to either pursue a trade or sign someone in the offseason of note, considering Provorov plays well with older, established blue liners? So my this is one of those questions where I reject the premise of the question. I kind of do too. Yeah, I mean, my first thought, Niskanen. He got he was voted almost unanimously team dad team dad team dad. So let's keep this guy around. Well, he's yeah. all, he's under contract for another season. Right, he's point. around for a little while. There's no and he and Provorov are doing really well together. So why change that? Um, in terms of uh, pursuing a trade or signing someone in the off season on defense, it's not going to hurt. Like it's never yep. going to hurt. To, to have some defensive depth, but, you know, we still have a bunch of dudes that are under contract and just because you don't want them to be under contract doesn't mean that they're not. Yeah. And you would have to clear out some cap space if you want to sign someone of note. Yes. And that's, uh, that's where my answer comes into play. Uh, I also kind of rejected the premise. Like I don't, I said, I don't know if he's so much better with, older established blue liners so much as there just aren't that many young guys in any organization ready to play the kind of minutes that pro for all yeah, plays yeah. like totally so to fair. play with him you'd have to be able to manage that load and i, I don't we saw a half season with gossip bear that went really really well so I, I don't maybe necessarily agree with that part of the question but if we're just going to look at braun's got this year on his deal niskanen has two more 
or this one and one more. So, okay, maybe we do want some older, established veterans. A guy named Tory Krug will be, as of now, a unrestricted free agent on July 1. And I got to tell you, that's all I'm thinking about. I can't stop thinking about Tory Krug in orange mm-hmm. and black. And, um, yeah, make it happen. So here's, on it. here's my thing with Tory Krug, and I'm a noted big Tory Krug fan. I feel like the only way you can justify get like signing Tory Krug and actively chasing him down, you have to trade Ghost. Yeah, because that's that's mm-hmm. his spot. That's, like that's that, part of yeah. Krug plays ghost role. Mm-hmm. He is the offensively oriented power play one defenseman who's a lefty shot. Like if you and I'm not saying that I would necessarily hate it because I think Krug is significantly better than go than at least the ghost of today is definitely. But he's also more consistent. Like he doesn't have the up and down that that goes his hat. I'm just saying that you can't bring in Krug and keep ghost. No, I'm in this scenario Gostas Bear is no longer here okay that's in you know he has passed okay <laughs> to, to kind of go back to this question though in all honesty i've always looked at the defense as something that like if you're going to make a big move that might be where you do it because i i didn't think it was i didn't think it was uh what's the way to put this it wasn't a coincidence that they got guys like Braun and Niskanen who were more or less stop gaps. Mm-hmm. They were like, okay, we have a problem here, and our problem is our defense is too young and our vets that we've had for the last couple of years stink. Either stink or have a, like a, a ceiling to where they can play in the lineup. So let's go out this summer and let's get those guys. And when they realized they couldn't get guys who were going to be able to, to be like, five-year solutions to the problem it was okay let's get a couple guys who we think are good are still good and plug them in but we're not committed to them for a real long period of time so to me there's still there's still a stylistic need for these like who's the long-term solution be be, beside Ivan Provorov who's the guy who long-term can be the defensively oriented actually good defenseman that you can plug in with a Travis Sanheim with a ghost if he sticks around I think those are still problems you just kind of kick the can down the road for a little bit Mm -hmm. in a way that worked because those guys have been fine but like for example if you if if Alex Petrangelo hits the market and he you you have intro conversations with him and he's like, hey, I think it'd be cool to be a flyer, then fuck yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. get him. So yeah. so like, or if if Anaheim decides they're gonna blow it all up this summer and they throw Josh Manson on the market and he can be your replacement for Braun, yeah, do it. Like make the defense is fine. But the defense could be better. And I do not want them to stop trying to improve the defense just because it's okay. I like it. I think that's a well-reasoned response. Uh, At Royal 6-4, is there any hope of the playoff format being changed so that the best teams make it in? Division winners in automatically, everyone else by points. Tired of second round being the best round. And I'll just lead this one off and say one. The the, the short answer is no. no. The NHL loves it. They love love that every team but like the two that are tanking are in it. That's the. And it's not going to get changed until the next CBA, which they chose not to open early. So here we are. Uh, It's going to be a little bit. One thing I'll say for the current format and the way they choose who gets in, obviously um, flawed. You know, we look at the overall standings in the league and look at the playoffs and go, this is kind of wrong. But one thing I'll say for this format is we have a better chance of seeing the best teams play each other because they only have to get through one round instead of two. Uh, When... Look at 2010. I always look at 2010. Look at who met in the Eastern Conference Finals because of the crazy hey, ass it worked upsets. For the Flyers, though. Oh, it worked for the Flyers, absolutely. <laughs> but just like some good teams had to get through a lot of rounds to meet each other, and they don't because of upsets. In this format, you get to see four really good uh, teams usually meet each other in the second round. Or four really Not good series. Sometimes. I mean, I'm on record is that I just don't like it. Uh, it's bad. I'm, no, I'm it's trying terrible. to come up with the other side of it. I, I do agree. And that was the whole point of this. The whole point yeah. of this was to to either, if you want to use the kind way, the kind word, it's to engineer rivalries. If you want to use the not so kind <laughs> word, it's to manufacture rivalries by forcing teams to play against each other all the damn time. But I won't deny that, yeah, like as much as it's annoying that the for the, I guess, 
at least last year, at least the three best teams on paper in the in the East were very clearly Tampa, Boston, and Toronto. And obviously Tampa got upset, but Toronto and Boston had to play each other in the first round, which was fun. Like, that's the thing. It was fun for fans because we got to see it, and it's become a rivalry, and those series are always fun. But at the same time, it wasn't fair. And I guess my thing is I'm... I would prefer the playoffs to be more fair, to be more equitable towards what you did in the regular season. I mean, I'm of the opinion that we should make it so the top seed in the conference gets more bonuses. Like you should get extra extra home games in the first round to make it less likely you will get upset because I want the regular season to matter more. But I'm I'm not going to argue that it does create these good matchups in the early rounds. And that's like, from an outside perspective, it's cool that we've seen Boston Toronto a couple years in a row. That's fun. But I don't know. Those are two pretty big markets. Wouldn't the NHL be better off if they had more overall playoff games on TV and in front of their own crowds? I think yes. Like I I would think Uh, I'm getting, I'm getting really sick of Boston Toronto as a, that's just because you like Toronto. I know I do, but, I'm just I'm just getting really sick of it. <laughs> I'm just saying if if, tra- if, if Toronto, if Toronto won, had won both times. No, I think I'd still be if sick really? of it. If they could somehow yeah. meet in a second or third round, it I would think be it would different. be a lot better. It would be different. Fair. Yeah. Fair. It's just like, okay, now one of these really good teams is gone and uh the Florida Panthers still in it. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> so completely unrelated to the question. Oh, please, go and, on. And more about how I just get sick of things that linger for too long. The Nashville Predators that I got really sick of well, for a while go. because they were really good and couldn't win anything. Well, not so good anymore. Yeah, they fixed that for you. <laughs> they sure did. Thanks, Nashville. Appreciate you. If they, I'm just trying you to know, like, San Jose too. Actually, yeah. I was real sick of San Jose. I'm trying to like if they, if they really want to manufacture and like keep everyone in it longer, like maybe a top seed first round buy so more teams get in and. I don't well, know. I think my idea, I don't remember if I did this on an ice sport, but my idea is that for for the top seed is that the top seed only needs to win three games to win the first round series. I think we, I do remember hearing that, that once before. you get once you get to if you're the top seed, once you get to your third win, the series is over. The only way you can lose is if the other team beats you four times. I like that. That's interesting. All right, guys, uh, we are going to. Pause for an ad break. That's right. We remembered to put in the ad break this week. <laughs> Don't have to do it later. So, uh, and we'll be back on the other side with more of your questions. All right, that was a fun advertisement. I hope you utilize that product and or service. <laughs> We've been having a lot of beer ads on the oh, show well lately. Oh, then please so. use that. Uh, let's get back. We get, we get a lot of like other podcasts, too. Uh, don't listen to other exactly. podcasts. Exactly. Listen to our podcast again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so let's get to uh, Jacob Ginsburg's question. He asks, can this team make the playoffs if they don't fix the power play? No. Yes. It's just be annoying as <laughs> hell. It's going to be hard. It could. Why do you say a lot let's, harder? Let's get to Kelly. Why no? I mean, it's going to be a lot harder if you're leaving all of those goals on the table, which you are right now. Like, you know, if you're get four power plays in a game and you're not getting a single goal night in and night out, that's going to you're going to have a bad time. You're not going to win as many games as you could otherwise. If so. you French fry when you're supposed to pizza, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> they're just going to make, I mean, they're going to like, I mean, I know what Charlie's going to say. They're obviously they can mathematically and technically do it, Thanks, but it's Kelly. going to be a lot harder for them to no. do so. And that's shitty play. what I wanted to look up. And again, forgot like how many of the recent Stanley cup champions have had a top five power play. Like, obviously, you need your special teams to be effective. I think penalty kill, more important, but especially into the playoffs, I guess, when they let the players decide it, which is actually, you know, the refs deciding to let some teams break the rules and not others, but different story. Um, You just need to be that good at five-on-five. Yeah, it's harder, but I I, I think with a good penalty kill and really good five-on-five play, especially defensively keeping the puck out of your net, that's the most important thing. But, man, they would have 
more wins if this power play was better, and I don't think that part's debatable. And considering how you know stuck together these standings are in this in this meaty middle, uh, it would be nice to have those points. The meaty middle. I knew you'd like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. It's just you know, it's just frustrating. Like it's really frustrating. And I get, I think it, you you had in here at some point. I think basically that. Like it's not like this power the Flyers power play has been particularly good for a while. That said, and this goes back to the column I wrote a couple weeks ago where I basically said the Flyers were taking a, a galaxy brain approach to the power play. Yep. Essentially what what the problem had been over the last couple years, before last year, because last year was just weird. Last year, the, the the top unit created a ton of chances the first half of the year, a ton of shots, just wasn't finishing, so they blew the whole thing up. But in the years leading up to last year, the reason why the Flyers' power play became less efficient on the whole was because the second unit never did anything. Yeah. Basically, what it was was the top unit, by all the numbers, by shots, chances, even goals, was still one of the best top units in hockey, one of the best power play units in hockey. It was just the second unit for the 40 seconds they ever they got on the ice, they couldn't even get in the zone. Yeah. They were They were pathetic to an absolutely ridiculous degree. So... The logical response to that is, okay, we have a top unit that's working. We have a second unit that's bad. Let's keep the thing that's working and try to fix the other thing. And what the Flyers have seemingly decided to do is, well, it's basically like, well, let's try to fix the top unit and maybe that it's a byproduct of that. The second unit will get better. And it has in that it's not a total disaster anymore. It's just now the top unit is bad. That's the like when you look at the numbers and well that's there's a question from at Flyers eight goalies we'll just get to it now is there anyone you'd like to replace Tarion as the power play coach next season and this is something that comes up a lot on post game you're not they're not gonna fire I, the I, guy I know a, that's a half year and like I am what coach I, gets fired four months into yeah, their like, job I, I've been a big time critic of the power play yeah. but they're not gonna fire Tarion. No, they're I'm, just not. I know. And that's I it, I get it a lot. And I'm like, they're not firing an assistant <laughs> coach halfway through like 50 games into the regular <laughs> season his first year. Uh, but I, I my response, I know we want to blame Tarion because in our heads, this is a good power play team. But this goes beyond the coach. Power play was ranked. Uh, power play is ranked 18th this year. 20, they were 23rd last year, 15th the year before that, 14th and 16, 17, 11th and 15, 16. They haven't been consistently in the top five or 10 since 2014, 15 and prior. It's been trending down for a while. Now, yes, it is true that when you look at the numbers, you're like, oh, the second unit never scores, and they're still between like 19 and a half and 21%. So if the second unit scored a little, they'd probably be pretty good. I, I think that's the frustrating part is that kind of— And what, now it's not. That. Well, what we all had in the back of our heads, which was, I think, a reasonable way to look at it, was that, okay, the first unit's great. You know, Drew's awesome. Most power play points in the decade. Four checking him have great chemistry. You know, Simmons at the time was amazing. And it's like, all right, the reason why the second unit is terrible is because the Flyers' depth is awful. And when all these young kids start coming up, the depth will be better. The second unit will, the problem will solve itself and we'll still have this great first unit. Well, now the depth is better, but we've blown up the first unit. Yeah. Yeah, the depth is better ish i mean it was at the start of the season yeah. and then it's i mean it's bad still things happen true but okay so let's i guess let's look at it this way with patrick and limblom this team but scores he, more goals but even, five on five power play whatever yeah. even, even without them let's look at the let's look at where the flyers are at right now so let's go back to the i don't the, want to live in a world without them charlie i'm living in the now <laughs> so. um okay so your top unit in our world of okay if everybody's in their ideal spot your top unit is drew vorchek couturier jvr ghost as your your top power play unit so that still leaves you kevin hayes who's good joel Faraby, who we think is going to be good there's two guys right there um travis konechny who is maybe the team's best forward this year please use his formal title all-star Travis all -star, Konechny. Travis NHL all-star Travis Konechny. And do you think, because Travis Konechny is this, I don't want to cut you off, but because Konechny is this team's best forward this year, by however you want to measure it, I guess you could say Sean Couturier, but damn, Konechny's pretty good it's, too. It's one of those how do you keep? How do you keep Konechny off the top unit? Which is fair. And and that's... I, I want to, well, but I also look at it from well, the coach's perspective. And, and that's actually why... like. I was on the record as saying that I think all these power play moves that they're making are nuts. But 
out of like as far as the crazy moves they've the changes they've made to the top power play i don't really hate the one they're trying now because the one they're trying now which is basically the double net front where you have jvr on one side of the net and then you have connecting on the other and you have drew on the right and you have i believe hayes on the left and then Provorov off that i would still like to have get voracek on that unit because i still think he's a good power play guy but as far as as far as the galaxy brain thinkings go, like at least that one is the Milky Way. Because like <laughs> I understand you want your top scoring forward or the guy who's tied for the top scoring forward on the top power play unit. That makes sense to me. Like I get that you, that I get that you want to make maneuvers to get connecting on that unit. And I get Drew being on the right side if your entire if you're taking that guy out of the slot. Then you're knocking that you're knocking that one timer option out of there anyway, and then therefore that the whole the whole power play is then centered around the idea of somebody's going to get the puck to JVR, who's going to catch the puck on his forehand, who's then going to try to either turn and shoot or pass, do a touch pass to connect me on the other side for the slam dunk, and the only way for that to work is if Drew's on the right side. Mm-hmm. So like. As far as the galaxy brain, Drew not in his normal spot where he became the best power play forward of the decade. As far as that thinking goes, I don't hate what they're doing now. I hate it a lot less than a lot of the other dumb things they were doing. Like there were periods of time where there were periods of time where they had Drew on the right side and they didn't have JVR at net front. And it was like, all right, the whole justification. This is the only reason. The only for reason it. to put <laughs> Drew on the right side is to have him pass the JVR down low so he can catch it on his forehand. And you don't have JVR there, but you still have Drew on the right. Like, what is, what is going on here? At least this makes sense to me in the sense that if you're going to do the double net front, this is the best way for it to work. And we have and seen it. And it gets TK on the, in the, on the top power play, which I do believe is important. And in the five games leading up to the break, while they were 0 for 3 against Pittsburgh, and and it kind of like, oh, wow, this power play, you know, we need to do something. They are four for 14 in their last five games. That's like 29%. Decent. Uh, they could use that if it continues to trend up. We'll see. But the power play right now is, would you say it's the the, the biggest glaring hole? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I would say it's either that or the road play, but I don't even really view the road play as a whole. The, I would say the power play is the biggest, like, tangible hole. Yeah. The road play is more like, why aren't they better on the road? Yeah. Whereas like, the power play is like, it's actually not good. Yeah. It's like, get your shit together. Stop this. Yeah, be, exactly. at least, be at least 500 on the road. Like, come on. <laughs> this is like, hey, we have a bunch of good players and the other team has only four guys. What are we doing? Yeah. Like, so, yeah. All right. Moving on. Uh, where were we? Okay. At JR Turner 33. The last time we were in the playoffs, Coots had nine points in five games to lead the team. Philpola was tied for second with three in six games. Before that, in 15-16, a few players were tied with two points in six games to lead the team. When we hopefully make the playoffs this year, who is going to step up that's not Sean Couturier? Yeah, I could see that. Wait, so back up. A few players, so they had no one with more than two points that in, in Washington that, series was bad. How did they win two games? I, they, I think the one was one nothing when yeah, Neuvert had, had yeah. 90 saves or whatever. Yikes. And I didn't remember it being that bad. Jeez. It was yeah. bad. Like, I think G had one or two points. I think Ghost had one or two points. And that was... Well, Couturier got hurt in game one. Yeah, he goes out game one, so they can't defend the top line at yeah. all. Yeah. And it's pretty much that from there. Yeah, so the answer is uh, Travis Konechny. Yeah, Travis Konechny is a legit All Star now. I think that's uh, I think that's it, and I think this is answer number two is Claude Giroux. I was gonna say Giroux. I mean, it's ridiculous to assume that Claude Giroux is not gonna make an impact in the playoffs. Number three, Kevin Hayes. Like this team is yeah. dramatically different than Velter- when Velteri Filippo was a mainstay on, Look in at this lineup. Steph with the optimism. This break's done you well. I've gotten a lot of sleep. (laughs) No, I've always been like for the specific players. I'm so wholeheartedly behind them. I just like it's it's a tough road to make the playoffs. It's it's tough. But individual players, I mean, Travis Konechny. I I do think there's been like and and I get why it's because they haven't been in the playoffs that much over the last Mm. five, six years and the times they have, he hasn't particularly produced that well but there's kind of been this myth that's been created that Claude Giroux is bad in the playoffs Mm. and he really isn't 
it's not like he's Steven Stamkos or something. He has his <laughs> career playoff Dunk. numbers are 65 points in 69 nice games. And <laughs> he's got a game winning goal in the Stanley Cup freaking final. He's a good playoff player. He's just had two bad series, one of which was a series that he was playing with, like, his entire core falling apart that he then got surgery on it two weeks later. Like, he's not a bad playoff guy. We can expect, if the Flyers get to the playoffs, we can reasonably expect Claude Giroux to be good in the playoffs. And that's, uh, that's, Claude Giroux was my answer. He's not having the season points-wise that he has the last couple of years when he's bounced back and really done it, but it's not like he's fallen off that much, and he's in a situation where he can kind of, in the playoffs, not be matched up with a top line. Like, that would be nice, wouldn't it, if one of our best players didn't have to do everything because we have other really good players? Weird. I, I, just, I just think it's it, this is a situation where he could maybe excel in the playoffs and take advantage of some matchups because – I will stick up for Giroux all day, but yes, it is a myth that through his career, he's been bad in the playoffs. His last two have not been good. Um, I don't expect that trend to continue, but it has happened. Yeah. And a lot of people point to the Rangers series and say he wasn't that good there. He had six points in seven games, and that was like a shutdown defensive team with no other good players on the Flyers. Yeah, they had. That, like, it, is, it is prime Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah, that was prime Henrik Lundqvist against Giroux and uh, his backup Sim- yeah, singers. It was, it was basically Giroux, Simmons, and Voracek. Yeah. Yeah, and that was the year Raffle was on the top line, yeah, right? Yeah, Raffle, top line player. Yeah. Right, Michael Shen Raffle. was hanging around. Oh, yeah, Shen was still there. But that was hanging around. Dude. That wasn't 15 16 was like prime Shen. That's his year, really, yeah. when he was the man. All right, let's move on. I'm glad we got to that one. Who's, uh, what's the, from at Travis DGC, what's the one thing that goes on behind closed doors that nobody knows about? Really doesn't matter if they know. Uh, this one's for Charlie, I think. Not looking for dirt on the team, just regular operations type stuff. Like, what's something that's like, fans don't know about that wouldn't hurt if they did know about like if Voracek's a nice guy or something like that maybe I don't know Um, I don't really understand the question yeah I like I'm I'm trying to think I just don't I don't have anything that like immediately jumps to mind uh the first thing that jumps to mind I wish I didn't know Connecting and Sanheim like um they eat at Skate Zone a lot like they show up early for breakfast Hmm. they're fed really well one time I uh, I ran into because there's like a Chipotle right near uh, the skate zone, and I like wrote my article and I left and I was like ah before I go home I'll get I'll eat a couple tacos and I walk in and Jake Voracek and Sean Gutierrez are just sitting at one of the tables and it's like hey Charlie I'm like hey guys how you doing sup <laughs> sup <laughs> but uh, I don't know I what are something that goes on behind closed doors yeah I don't know I mean it's just like I I guess one thing is like. It is just a job. Actually, you know what? Here's here's an interesting thing, and I don't I don't really know if this is the case for the Flyers players specifically, but you would be surprised at how many NHL players really don't love hockey that much. Huh? Like, really aren't super into like that. Don't like they they train the hell out of them. Like they they train real hard. They work really hard. They care about you know their profession. But they're not like hockey nuts. Yeah. They don't watch a ton of hockey. They don't watch the playoffs when they're out. Like they're not they're not obsessives about the sport like you might think they are. And th- and there are there oh, some of them are, but you'd be surprised how many aren't. I think more inherent than love for the sport has to just be like competitive nature. Oh, yeah, they're are, they're yeah. all extremely so if they're competitive. not competing, they don't give a shit. Yeah. Like, all right, this has all right, I might as well play beer pong. It's uh, at yeah. least I can win or lose that. <laughs> Watching this on television. Television does nothing for exactly. me. No, I exactly. Think, I think that's a good one. I yeah, think. and I don't think that that's necessarily limited to hockey either. No, like, okay. There's a lot of like football players who don't watch the Super Bowl, which is outrageous for us to even think about because everyone watches the I, Super Bowl. I, I like... How many thing? How many people do you know who are really, really great at something and like don't love it that much, but... Like Wayne Gretzky, I, I I was watching something about Gretzky once, and if he had his way, he'd be a baseball player. Huh, and like some people sat him down one day and were like, "Listen, um, maybe you can play some baseball, 
Maybe you might even scratch out a living at it. But you're legitimately the best fucking hockey player ever. So do that. <laughs> so cut that shit out. Yeah, like I just think like I was think like, I was really good at school. I didn't like school. I fucking hated going to school, but I got good grades simply because I was good at it. Like I wonder how many guys are just like good hockey players so they like that video of Mitch Marner when he's a kid and he's like whatever and his dad's like freaking out because he did lost or didn't score nine goals or whatever Mitch Marner did to piss off his hockey dad and it's just <laughs> like yeah I, I, I became really great at this I don't it's not my favorite thing in the world so all right that's interesting uh where were we Steinzilla which prospect are you most excited about besides Morgan Frost that's so a- I wasn't before, but I'm excited about Igor Zamula now. That is yeah. exactly my answer, he's Kelly. He's definitely, Yay. he's the guy this year who I think has the most, like, helium, if that's the right yeah. way to put it. Like, there haven't been a ton of guys this season that have had that, like, man, I didn't think he was great, but he's having an awesome year, and he's the one guy. I mean, it sucks that he got hurt, he had to have the yeah. surgery, but um, the back surgery, but apparently... He's apparently he'll be back for development camp, which will okay. be nice. We'll see That's if that good. actually plays out. I mean, they may keep him off the ice as a precaution if he's not feeling perfect for dev camp. But it looks like he'll be good to go for next year when he will turn pro, presumably. It's an interesting question because it's like when you say most excited, does that mean who like who will be the best prospect or who are you just like the most intrigued by? I would say intrigued because I think we know the pecking order basically i mean answer both Mm. what what do you have to lose yeah that's fair um i mean i i think cam york is is the best prospect not named morgan frost in the organization i think he's going to be a very good defenseman uh and i'm excited to see how he develops really uh if we're talking about most excited for that's an interesting one um I mean, I've been, and this is partially because I just don't know what's going to happen with him. I've been really excited about Tanner Lazinski for a while. Like, I've been a fan of his for quite a while. We're talking like three, four years ago. Maybe not four years ago. I I started liking him a lot. The um, So they drafted him out of the USHL, and then he had a good freshman year. And then the next development camp, I watched him, and he looked like a different dude. Then he looked like the first mm-hmm. dev camp. And that's when I started really getting on board with him. And then I made it a point to watch Ohio State games. And again, he there's a chance he might not sign, but I would be I would be excited to see what he can do. Because if they have a dude actually, you know what? Let me change that. I am excited about Lazinski. I'm really excited about Noah Cates. Oh, oh, I love Noah Cates. I think he has a chance to surprise a lot of people. I have huh. loved Noah Cates since I saw him at his first rookie camp. I love Noah Cates. My answer for this was going to be Isaac Ratcliffe because that's I, cool. I hmm. I really like that, Isaac he's an Ratcliffe. Intriguing, yeah. He's he's an intriguing dude. Um, but. Charlie reminded me that I love Noah Cates, yeah. so I'm throwing I'm throwing my hat in that ring as well. But Isaac Ratcliffe, he's he's a dude to keep your eye on. They have a lot of interesting guys who are more projects, and you always are. It's always fun to see how they work out because you're thinking, you know, is he the next Limblom? Is that what this guy is? Is he the next Ghost? Where he's not there right away, but all of a sudden, boom, he shows up and 60 points. Um, yeah, Zamula's mine just because I remember watching that first preseason when he's still on the on the tryout. Yeah, yeah. Before and he was doing, he was doing he was really well. Standing out. Yeah. He he was he was not afraid to be physical. He just looked like he and it's you know it's preseason hockey, but for a guy on a, a, a freaking rookie tryout. He looked like he belonged and earned the contract, so I'm just really interested to see what happens with him. This is uh, this is one I was I'm really hoping to get to, and we are uh, at Fly Guy Josh 91. He asks, looking back over the free agent slash trade market, is there one signing or trade you wish the Flyers would have made this offseason that they did not? Uh, Josh and his no. wife just had a baby girl, so uh, congratulations, Josh. Josh. Oh, is it like the guy who asked the question? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I was like, wait, who's Josh? Just yeah, a flyer. Josh. The guy who asked the question. <laughs> okay. Congrats, Josh. Do you life. have one? Do you have one, Kelly? A move you would wish they would have made? No. I didn't want them to make one over the summer, and I'm not upset that they didn't. I mean, obviously, like you say, Panarin is doing very well in New York, but I, if you think about how this team would have had to be restructured in order to get him, 
Like I'm happy with the Kevin Hayes signing. I don't, I don't have any problem with them not doing anything else. That's the, like looking back at it at, with hindsight, they're in so much of a different situation they were in in July. It's hard to apply like the same logic. Uh, just looking at guys who were um, uh, guys who are kind of bargains like Junis Donskoy. I know we talked about yeah, in like the offseason and Jason Spezza. I would have hated that at the time because he's a senator to me, uh, but uh, he would kind of fit what they need. Is he playing in Toronto yet? Yeah, now that they have a good coach. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, that's that's an interesting question. I don't, I don't know. Like I mean, if they could have given Sebastian Ajo an offer sheet that Dun Dun definitely wouldn't have matched. That, that wasn't sure. collusion. Yeah, that was just a collusion shield. Yeah. So I, you know, it's just you know, it's tough. It's tough for me to answer that question because by the time like. I can't just look at that and say I would have wanted them to get that player because by the time they got done their moves, they were pretty much capped out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like you I can say you have to also remove you have to also remove somebody. And I don't know if there was anybody who was moved in the off season that like I would want to replace a guy like Niskanen and Braun have worked out. Both of those moves have worked out. Yeah. Kevin Hayes has been good. Like, is Very that good. is that contract potentially going to be bad at the end? Yeah, maybe. But for now, it's fine, and he's what they needed. You know, like the the main thing I look at with this roster is that, like, God damn it, I wish Oscar Lindblom didn't have cancer, and I wish Nolan Patrick could play hockey. Like, it's the, yeah. those aren't moves. Like, that's just like I wish that our players. I wish that life have wasn't awful shit. luck. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. I, it just—they're not moves that I wish they made. And like, I can't say, well, I wish they would have predicted that Oscar Lindblom had cancer and then went out and gotten another forward. Like, no, I just wish they didn't have to deal with this bullshit. I, yeah. and, and by they, I mean the players. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I I wish that Oscar Limblom doesn't have cancer every single day of the week. Yes, like exactly. every single day of the week. So yeah, I feel selfish sometimes because I'm like, listen, I want him to you know be healthy and live. Obviously, that's the number one priority. But goddamn, do I want him on this hockey team too? <laughs> yeah, they need him. He's a good player. He really fits what they're doing. Yeah, but like, get well. Hockey's secondary. Hockey is totally secondary. But it's second. Out of one and two, this is how I deal. This is how I deal with shitty things. Uh, I laugh about them. All right, I'm trying to get to a couple more because we had some good ones. We have a few minutes left Uh, from Chris Nafy. Let's get to this one because I just love hypothetical trades. According to rumor and innuendo, the Flyers may have interest in Kasperi Kapanen. Are you interested in him? And would you move Ghost for him? No. I haven't seen this. Have you guys seen this? No. I haven't either. But I would not trade Ghost for Baby Cap. However, I am interested in him. So yes and no. But I also haven't seen this rumor anywhere. I mean, no. I, I've I've heard from people that like the Flyers would like happening, and I've heard that the Flyers wouldn't be necessarily opposed to moving Ghost. I think people have just kind of combined Put those the two. two things together. My thing with this is that, and this has always been my my issue with the idea of trading ghosts to Toronto. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that Toronto wouldn't necessarily do it. I just don't know why they would. Because stylistically, I don't know like ghost is not the kind of defenseman they need. They need right-handed shots who are a little bit more balanced. They already have a bunch of lefty shots who are offensively oriented. I don't Yeah, they could have just re-signed Jay Gardner. Yeah, like I just I I don't know why Ghost and and I still I still value Ghost highly despite the fact that he's not having a good year, but I don't know why Toronto would. Yeah, like I just don't that that doesn't make sense to me. If I'm Toronto, I'm probably I would be like, sure, let's do it for Phil Myers. My thing with maybe this, not capping him, but yeah. like that like Phil Myers is a guy. If I'm Toronto, I'm like I'm interested in him. That's the thing. If we call up offering Ghost, they're gonna go, oh yeah, well we're gonna want someone who's in your lineup. Uh, well, I mean, he's yeah, in the I, lineup. He's I, just I, hurt right I know. now, and hopefully You're he won't so miss a game. Dramatic. I know, but I, I mean, look, I agree with Stefan that I would absolutely have interest in Kapanen. Like, I don't think Kapanen is a perfect player by any means, but the Flyers. It would be nice if the Flyers had more speed. He's and Kapanen couple, yeah. brings a ton of freaking speed. I am, and he's from here, guys. Do you know that? Yeah, that's sort of. It's true. <laughs> he's that's from here. My one question, because I, I too would love Kasperi Kapanen. 
would be awesome. Um, don't know what it would take to get him. I don't deal in hypothetical trades. I just think it's a waste of time. But, I don't. I, I truthfully um, don't hate the idea. I don't. Hate I don't this hate idea. the idea of, of flipping ghosts for cap. And I don't think it's a terrible trade. No. I just don't know why Toronto would do it. I just want to know if Kasperi Kapanen was literally anyone else's son. Would this city be so obsessed with him? It seems like everyone always wants Kasperi Kapanen, and it's just an extension of we always want our old players back. Like, if his dad was still playing, people would want him back at 50. I don't think that's it. I think it's that he is, that everyone knows how good the Maple Leafs are offensively, and he's, like, the one sort of, like, expendable piece. Like, everyone knows that if they're going to trade any one of their young guys, it's going to be him. So they just glom onto it and want it to happen for us. They glom. And also his dad played here. Yeah. All right. He's from here. He's from here. I mean, there are people that wanted him <laughs> as far back as the draft. Oh, I would. Yeah, I wanted oh, to I draft know. him. But, you know, I, I never saw him play. I wanted him because his last name was, <laughs> was Captain. Yeah. Like, I'll admit that. All right. Uh, what do we like next? Um, Delco Bryan just asks about trades and stuff. I want to transition that into how do the Flyers make this team better? We did it a little last week. But given this cap situation, is it going to have to be? Ghost, for, like just this hypothetical ghost for Kapanen, we retain a million of ghosts and it, it works out. Like, is that the no. only way? No, no, they, 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 they could, they could add. It's just hard to add somebody that it's harder to add somebody who really is going to make fans stand up and say, yeah, we're, we're making a playoff push. Like the one guy who could work is Pat Joe, Jean-Gabriel Pat Joe. And that's because He's not that expensive. He's only got a $3.1 million cap hit. And the Flyers could probably fit someone, like one player, at around a $2 million cap hit without moving anybody out. And you could theoretically get Ottawa to retain enough salary, enough of the cap hit, to get him under that threshold. Whereas a lot of the other guys, it just would be really hard. A lot of the other guys to get thrown out. Like Kreider, I don't think you could do. Toffoli, I don't think you could do. Um, I don't know who else are like the big Jeff names. Carter. Jeff Carter, I don't think you could do. <laughs> but Pajot, you could. And he is I a, like that idea. And he is a center. And Pierre Lebrun did have the Flyers as one of the five teams that he thinks could potentially be involved in the Pajot sweepstakes. There were the uh, Flyers, the Oilers, the Flames, the Islanders, and the Stars. So those were the five. So that's, that's the interesting one to me. Um, and if they can't get him, then maybe they just go bargain hunting. And they figure, well, we'll get a couple, you know, cheap fourth, third, fourth liner types who are better than Connor Bunneman. Okay. And just put Connor, like, one thing I can say, I don't know, I mean, obviously this is a new front office. The f people in the Flyers front office have loved Trevor Lewis from the day, like, from the lead up to the draft. Like, Trevor Lewis has had fans in the Flyers organization for years, even before he was drafted. And he's on the market, and he's decent. He's not great, but, like, if you're trying to bulk up the bottom six and not have to use this revolving door of Connor Bunneman, David Kasha, Mikhail Vorobiev, you know, German Rupsoff or Ruben, Ruben Gersoff, no, Ruben Gersoff, like maybe they go after somebody like that. Maybe. All right. Like those are the types of moves that if you can't get a guy like Pajot, maybe you go for those kind of moves. I want to wrap it up with one more. This is uh, from our pal, Ant Dad. Oh, that's so hard for me to say. I can't, like, back up the same syllable. I end up saying Ant Dad, and it just sounds weird. Uh, but uh, basically just asking about the rest of the schedule, what games would you circle? And I want to take that into, like, obviously the, the division games are very important, the division games against the teams right ahead of them. Who are we most worried about in this in this run is what I want to take it into because they have a lot Eastern Conference games, a lot of Metro games. What are we most worried about? The Hurricanes always make me nervous. They've played the Hurricanes well this year. They though. have, but they always make me nervous. Um, you know, if we're circling games, I mean, it's got to be Friday, just this Friday in Pittsburgh. It's yeah, come be. out, come out strong because then you come right home to Colorado on Saturday. I'm going to that one. Uh, looking forward to it. I have it circled just because I like watching Colorado. And they, they Edmonton's coming to town. And Edmonton's coming to town in March. Have that one circled because want to watch have, McDavid every chance I get. They have two against Florida in a couple of weeks that are going to be, I think, yeah. hugely important. The, that that's yeah, those are the games I'm worried about. There's. There's a run of games. I was looking at the schedule. It's an 11-day run where they play 
and and the like the I put in this in this outline. There's probably there's realistically six teams battling for four four remaining spots in the East. There's the Isles, the Panthers, the Blue Jackets, the Canes, the Flyers, and the Maple Leafs. Now there's some there's some maneuvering that can go on there because yeah. the Maple Leafs could theoretically get in as just you know by passing the Panthers, not by using a wild card. But like four teams are getting in out of those out of those six. And there is an 11 day run where the Flyers play the Panthers twice, the Islanders once, and the Blue Jackets twice. That's five games against teams that you are battling with directly for a playoff spot in 11 days. And the interesting thing is it's from February 10th through February 20th, which is before the trade deadline. So, mm. you know, th- this this makes you look at it from two directions. Number one, do they maybe try to make a move before that, knowing how high leverage those games are? Number two, if they do poorly during those games and they don't make a move, do they then just decide, well, we're not going to add because our playoff chances look they bad? They just diminished. On the flip side, yeah. if they don't make a move and they do kick ass during that stretch, then do they say, oh, now, we, like, now we're a playoff lock. Now we really need to go big. Mm-hmm. To me, that's a, that is like a season-altering stretch. That's going to be huge. The Blue Jackets have to fall apart, right? Like They can't keep this up. I don't know. I mean, trust, Why are trust they winning Elvis. Games? Trust in Elvis. Why are they winning games? They don't, don't have many. any good players. They have good players. They yeah. just don't have as many of them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Columbus? Were we hating on Columbus? Yes. Yeah, I'm here for that. Freaking Ohio. It's not <laughs> even a real place. I'm going there next week, and I'm like, Western yeah. Pennsylvania. Okay. It's West Virginia mixed with Western Pennsylvania. Michigan. It's going to be a mess. Ugh. I'm looking forward to it though. If you're gonna if you're gonna be at the Columbus Blue Jackets Analytics Joe Conference, Burrow, come say hi to me. Going to freaking Cincinnati. All right, that's it. That's all the time we have for you on the mailbag edition of BSH Radio. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for hanging out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Wherever podcasts are, just search Broad Street Hockey. You know what to do. It's a podcast. It's 2020. I shouldn't have to tell you this shit. Still. Anyway, thanks all. Uh, have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about? 